Well, this morning we got a special treat. Jim Hill, uh, most of you know Jim. Uh, we've known Jim forever. Okay, he, him and Kathy, yeah, forever and a day, right? I've uh, been close friends to ours forever. Actually, one time, at one time, Jim was the associate pastor of this church, and uh, that was a few years ago, but he, the Lord, you know, he has a, a mission organization called His Heart Missions, which he's going to tell you a little bit about, and so he's been living in, in South America, and then living here, and living there, and, you know, he just sort of goes all over the place, but he's going to come and and share, you know, whatever the Lord's put in his heart. So let's give Jim a big hand. And, and actually, uh, you know, usually when we have guest preachers, they're from outside the church, and we always receive an offer for them at the end. But uh, just because Jim is a member of the church doesn't mean we shouldn't receive an offer for him also at the end. So I want you to kind of put that in the back of your mind if the Lord might speak to you. But thank you, Jim. Come on. <laughs> It's um, it's kind of funny because every time I come here, somebody always welcomes me to their church. Uh, I guess that means I don't show up very much. Nikki, hiciste muy bien tu anuncio. Hey, tu acento ha mejorado bastante. Yeah. But um, it's uh, it's good to be home. And don't be confused. This is home. It's wonderful. I, I go to a lot of places and speak in a lot of different uh, situations and branches of the Christian faith and different circumstances. And but this is home. It's uh, it's it's good to be home, where you know you don't have to be anybody but just who you are, warts and all. And I've got some of those. Uh, but I wanted to share just briefly, if we can put up that little uh, uh, thing, start our little thing. We'll see if this works out. Um, we're listed out there on the wall with the Father's House as one of the associated ministries, or I don't even know how you call that. In 1998, the Lord showed me a vision that this church was going to be like the hub of a wheel. I was reading in Ezekiel, that wheel in a wheel kind of a thing, and I saw a vision of this church being like a hub in a wheel and spokes coming off of that wheel that extended to a, a metal band like an old wagon wheel. You know, and and that there were names of various ministries that were associated with and connected to this church that were going to carry the gospel, carry the burden of the word of the Lord to the nations and to the community, because you know this is a nation too. You know, so uh, uh, it, it, it is still we're still a nation here, and and so. Uh, um, and, and I'm really uh, honored to be a part of that. But you can't get rid of me. How many of you have some family members you might at certain times like to get rid of? Come on now, be honest. Well, you stuck with me, you know, because this is my family. And I just, but for the newbies, for the people who, who want to welcome me to their church, I, I just, I wanted to let you know what, this DNA, this gene pool, is doing elsewhere. 
Because the things that we do are just an extension of this congregation because it's the only gene pool we've got to multiply from. You know? So his art missions was named out of Psalm 33, verse 11. Uh, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Next slide, please. Uh, and we started it in 1991. And my lovely bride and I have been doing that pretty much ever since. We did a short-term associate pastorship here. But I just wanted to say that if, if it hadn't been for Becky and Byron and a few of our other long-term friends that are part here and Robin McMillan, our missionary career would have been cut short and we would have had to come home within six months of going out. And so it, it is a vital connection. What we have been able to do really has been an extension of our relationships and friendships over the years. Next slide. It's, uh, I'll just point when we go, if you can kind of watch me, okay? Um, this is our mission base and national headquarters in Argentina. And um, the first ministry that we started there back in 2003 was a Center for Equipping Missionaries, which was sort of a sister thing with Christ's School of Ministry here. We translated a lot of the curriculum. But people who have graduated from the school in Argentina have gone out as missionaries to India, China, Paraguay, Brazil, Spain, France, Uruguay, and various other provinces in Argentina. I'm probably leaving out a few countries here. Uh, it's remarkable what the Lord has done since that time. And um, missionaries from His Heart Missions have actually um, uh, ministered in over 25 nations on six continents. Uh, we've never been down to preach to the penguins in Antarctica. That's the only thing we, that we lack there. But um, people have gone out. And we also have two churches in Argentina. One's called the Voice of Christ. It's up in Salta, up in the mountains where Don and Linda Gein and my wife and I live for the practically the last three years. And then we have a church in uh, Resistencia that uses our principal mission base there. It's called R3. And everybody went, what a weird name for a church. But when you let young people name a church, it comes out strange sometimes. Um, uh, but it's redeem, restore, and reconcile because they felt like that was the, the ministry of Jesus and they wanted their church to be like Jesus. And so that's how it got to be R3. Okay? Um, and teams go out from this, this church where we've trained the kids and everything. Uh, R3 Church and CEM, our ministry training school, sends out teams all over the region to various churches and conferences and one thing or another. And, and um, the, the Lord has really uh, used these outreaches. Um, one of the basic mandates for His Heart Missions is to demonstrate the love of the Father by doing acts of mercy in the name of Jesus. Because a lot of people really don't know down deep inside that the Lord loves them. So we try to find practical stuff to do, like free eyeglass clinics. Um, we've made donations of all kinds of medical supplies. Uh, this mobile incubator unit here was donated to a hospital at 13,000 feet elevation to save the life of children who were born prematurely. It was, it's got a plaque on there uh, in memory of granddaughter of the Steins. Um, 
And we've all, one of the biggest projects we've ever done is um, an arsenic filtration system for a town of 6,000 people. Uh, that was a long-term project. It took about eight years from the time the Lord spoke to us till its completion. Many of you played a vital role in that with donations and prayers, and this was definitely a group effort. Um, but we've seen the mercy of the Lord in that. And, and I believe that there is, I believe this by revelation, I believe there, you know, arsenic is insidious. That when a child drinks water with high levels of arsenic in it for the first nine or ten years of their life, their chances of getting our, uh, cancer at a very early age are greatly elevated. And it doesn't matter if they quit drinking water with arsenic after that age or not. Their tendency to develop cancer early in life is increased. I believe there's one young girl in that town who has a purpose to fulfill for God, who the Lord wanted to preserve and save because she's going to be important politically in the nation of Argentina. Now, I just want to share that with you. I believe this is a long-term investment that you have made in that town. Um, now, the, it's up in that region. You see a little triangle area up there, and we've been messing around up in there with kingdom stuff for about eight years now. And uh, we've defined one particular area. You see, this is off of Google Earth. This is a, a valley that's about the same length and width as the nation of Israel. It's about 150 miles long and about 90 to 100 miles wide. It's called the Kalchaki Valley. We visited many, many towns. There's over 100 towns in this region alone, towns and small villages, who have never had a Protestant church of any kind whatsoever. And the Lord has given us the opportunity. We're, our next little project is we want to install a shortwave radio broadcasting system there. And uh, that's the over 150-year-old house we're going to put the broadcast station in. That's Donald. They're taking the picture in front of it. Uh, and then that hill up there, in July I'm going to be going up there and measure how much of that hill we have to pull down to make a level pad to put an uh, antenna on. So I'll be up in the mountains up there soon. But uh, up in the top right-hand corner, this is a typical situation. That man uh, in the blue coat, he and his wife were the only believers in a town of 800 people. And the pastor could only get back in there to them because it's not easy to get to. Maybe once, twice a year. That picture was taken about a year and a half ago, I guess, wasn't it, Don? Something like that. And now there's five believers in that town. See, if we can get a radio station up and running, we've got an instant cell group up there so that the pastor can talk to them every night when the sun's going down, you see? There, and there's other towns of maybe 2,000, like that middle one over there, but that's the voice of the radio, you see, with his wife down at the bottom. His name is Ernesto. I want to ask you to pray for Ernesto, okay? Because we're going to call him El Pastor del Valle, the pastor of the valley. And he's going to have a voice through the entire range of the Kalchaki Valley to be able to speak to people. Isn't that a great opportunity? Wouldn't you like to be a part of planting churches where nobody else has been able to pull that off in a hundred years of missionary effort and it's within our grasp? That's cool. That's cool stuff. 
Um, that's the kind of stuff we do. His heart missions is a fellowship of individuals and ministries who our primary mandate is to seek intimacy with God and then to take steps of faith to get in on what he wants to do. You know? And so I just wanted to know what you guys are doing outside of this room because that's the kind of things that this church is doing outside of these four walls. Okay? And in July, Becky and Byron are going to come down for our annual conference again. Many of you have been down there. Um, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Watch the Lord do stuff. You know? We, we like to see the Lord do stuff. Okay. That's that. Now, I've got something to share with you. And... Uh, What time? Oh, I got plenty of time. I can't find much to talk about for over 30 minutes. Um, those that know me don't believe that. But anyway, um, I want to start with a, a scripture in um, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians 4, verse 18. Now, this is kind of a disclaimer, okay? Uh, I don't know if they're going to put up the same version that I've got, so I'm going to read what I got. You need to get the New American Standard on that. Anyway, I've been campaigning for that for years. Anyway. Um, verse 18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What I'm going to be talking about today is spiritual. Some of you may think that I'm talking about things that are political. But I am not. Some of you may perceive that I'm talking about um, natural or uh, things in our nation today. And I believe this is a word for the United States of America. It's just as a side note, it's the first time I feel like the Lord's given me a word for the United States of America since 1991. But we are going to see between now and the end of 2014. Now, pull me back now if I get too far out there for you, Byron. Okay? <laughs> we are going to see radical changes in our nation. It is going to be a season that will be different than previous seasons. Now, I'm not talking about anything political. Remember now. I'm talking about spiritual opportunity that is coming your way. Spiritual opportunity that is coming your way. You know, one of the most well-recognized first paragraphs in English literature comes from Dickens's A Tale of Two Cities. How many of you know how A Tale of Two Cities starts besides Janet? You know, obviously Janet would know. Okay? 
Now, do you know that there have been doctrinal thesis and master's thesis um, written by English majors at many universities discussing the uh, parallel, because in Dickens was writing about the French Revolution that happened around 1777 or so, and his time when he wrote A Tale of Two Cities in 1859, he wrote it as monthly installments in a magazine he was publishing, and it was later turned into a novel. But many people thought he was making political commentary about the things that were going on in England during his day. So these English majors, they write about the story in A Tale of Two Cities and try to compare it with the political and social events that were going on in England in 1859. But the truth of the matter is that the perceptions of Charles Dickens was so profound that what he said in that book is equally applicable in our current time. Now listen to the way the book starts. It says, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Does that sound familiar? Does that feel familiar to you? It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Did you ever feel... The dichotomy of those extremes in your own life. That like you were just, you were walking in glory and then going through hell at the same time. Oops. I told you I was at home. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven. Now, see, Dickens was a little wiser. He said it like this. We were all going direct the other way. (laughs) In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil in the superlative degree of comparison only. I struggle to understand what he meant by that last sentence. What is he saying there? I get the other thing. It's a period of great light. Don't you see great light around us today? Don't you see the kingdom of light? And this is really a tale of two kingdoms that I'm talking about. It's not just two cities. I'm talking about two kingdoms manifest at the same time. And that is what we're going into. We are going into a season in this nation's when the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness will both be accentuated before our very eyes. Have mercy. Absolutely. God, we need mercy. We need mercy and grace. We need forgiveness. And we need courage. Courage. 
But that's what it's saying here. It's, it's like the, it's such an intense season that it seems either really all very good or really all very bad. Have you ever experienced a time of greater polarization in this nation? Now remember, I'm not talking about left and right. I'm not talking about any of your popular political parties. I'm talking kingdom. A tale of two kingdoms. The kingdom of light being manifested and the kingdom of darkness being manifested in our culture. I was on my way recently to speak at a different church. And as I was uh, on the road, it was, I don't know how to explain some of these things that you see in the Lord. I honestly try to relay it as close to how it happens to me as possible. But it was like I was driving down the road and I was still seeing the road, but I also saw a split-screen vision with my eyes. It wasn't in my mind's eye, it was with my eyes, but there was like this overlay, and I saw left and right a split-screen vision and a storm coming. And on the right, I saw an eagle seated on a fence post. And on the left, I saw chickens in a barnyard. And as the storm started coming, the birds began to react according to their natures in a different fashion. The eagle began to play with the wind as the winds picked up and the lightning in the distance began to, to strike the earth and the rumble of thunders began to sound in this vision. I saw that eagle cut a couple of hits with his wings and get up in the air. And, you know, have you ever watched an eagle? They play with it. They get their tail going, you know, and they're... And that eagle was just playing with it and he sat right back down on the fence post. And if an eagle can smile, that eagle was smiling. And up again, playing with the wind. Meanwhile, all the chickens were scurrying for cover. And I heard, you need to get your heart right. And did not understand what he meant. I did not understand what he meant for a couple of weeks until the Boston Marathon bombing. Now, how many of you saw the videos of when the bombs went off at the Boston Marathon? Everybody ran. Some ran away, and some ran toward. The majority ran away. They were looking for a way out. But some, and I'm not just talking about the professional first responders, the EMTs, the policemen, the firemen, the security guards. I'm talking about people who had just run 26 miles. I'm talking about family members who were waiting on their loved ones who were running 26 miles, or nearly. And, and, you know, some of those people ran toward the explosion because the nature of their heart was to be concerned about others first rather than themselves. 
And I'm telling you, in crisis moments, that's when you really can find out what is in your heart. When things start hitting the fan, and the situation gets intense, you find out what's in your heart. You react or you don't react. You don't have time to think about it when somebody's grabbing up your backpack and uh, there's a team of three people trying to steal your backpack. You either go, oh, or you attack them. (laughs) And you don't have time to think about which one you're going to do. It's defined by the very essence of your core beliefs. Because what you believe rules you. It determines who you are and how you will react in any kind of circumstance. Now, you can convince yourself you believe one way, but when the event happens, when the crisis event happens, your nature will reveal itself. It's like uh, there was a great coach once that said, sportsmanship does not develop character. It reveals it. There's an interesting little scripture over in Ecclesiastes in the seventh chapter. Uh, Let's see how that thing turns up. I'll read it off the board if we get it up here. Consider the work of God. For who can make straight what he has made crooked? Think about that for a moment. You know, God can do what He wants to do when He wants to, how He wants to, with whom He wants to. Because He is absolutely God and there is no other. He is not in a majority. He has always and forever been a monopoly. There ain't nobody in the business of being God except Him. And it is to our great benefit that He is merciful and kind and just and loving. Because if He weren't, we would still have no options. Because there is only one God. And what He bends, man can't straighten out. Next verse. In the day of prosperity, be happy. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, consider. Surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. We do not understand the purposes of God very much. I cannot fathom them. When I was younger, like 30 or so, I thought I had him figured out, Jesse. I, 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 but now he is so mysterious to me. The Holy Ghost is just fascinating. I cannot figure him out. Because every time I think I've got a little bit understood about him, he takes a right-hand turn from my understanding and just whoo, does whatever he wants. And I love him for it. Because it can definitely keep your interest up. 
on the long term, following the Holy Spirit. But I am, I am saying that the Holy Spirit of the living God has purposes and plans for us in this next 18 months that at many points along that timeline, we will not understand exactly what He's up to. There will be moments of great prosperity and joy, but there will be moments of challenge. We need to realize now, on the cusp, entering into that season, that both proceed from the Lord. Are we good? Is anybody mad at me yet? I make people mad sometimes. Am I okay? Get your heart right. Get your heart right. That's a good old redneck saying. You need to get your heart right. There are lots of Christians who are storing up beans and barley in their basements again. You know, back in Y2K, people did that. They were selling it on the Internet. There was prophecies going around. Everybody was buying buckets of beans and barley, and then they were buying AK-47. Lots of ammo to protect their buckets of beans and barley from their neighbors. I ain't going to name no names, but some of them sitting in here. I'm, I ain't saying nothing. Do not contemplate harm to your neighbor. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you think times of adversity are coming and you feel the need to prepare for adversity, Prepare enough to invite your neighbor in. You know, in the days of the New Testament, in the book of Acts, when Agabus prophesied that there was a famine coming to the land, times of adversity, the reaction of the church was not to store up beans and barley in the basement, but what it was to take up an offering and send it to the saints in Jerusalem. Be like Jesus. We need to have the spirit of an eagle. We need to have the spirit of those people that when the bombs went off in Boston, they did not take thought for their own well-being. They ran towards those who were in need. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prepare to help others. Prepare yourself to love others desperately and completely and to make provision for others. If the Lord speaks to you to store up, store up with the thought of giving out. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The times of change that were prophesied by many secular leaders are upon us. But I want to reveal the purpose of these times of change, and it has been so since the beginning. We find it in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, 
beginning in verse 8. And just leave out the me part because I'm not talking about me. It says, eh, man, that King James, it sort of messes things up. I'm going to read it to you out of the real Bible. Um, <laughs> says, uh, to the very least of all saints. Does anybody in here besides me feel like the least of all saints? Okay, now you, t- you hang on to this. To the least of all saints. I know me. <laughs> Kathy surely does. You know, it, it, I really find that one of the greater problems in the body of Christ is a lack of revelation that there's a river of God in me flowing out to the nations rather than vanity and pride. Most of us suffer with this feeling that we're not enough, that we don't have all we need to have to be able to supply for somebody else. That'll make you want to get an AK-47, protect your barley. You know, But if you know that the Almighty living God resides in you and that He has given you absolutely everything you need every single day of your life to do the complete and entire will of God that day, then you will look to supply the needs of others because you ain't got no fears about tomorrow. Does that sound like Luke 12 to anybody? He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all that other stuff will be added to you. You can trust God. You, 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 you can trust God. It says, give us, Lord, our daily bread. Not many want to pray that prayer. Some are called to it. Some can't escape it. Most of us want at least six months worth of cushion in the bank account, right? Not many want to go down to that daily bread thing. I'm sorry, that was a tangent. I shouldn't have gone out there. I'm back. Okay. To the very least of all saints, this grace was given. This is your grace. This is a grace that is given to you. To preach to the Gentiles, the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. I'm going back over that one more time because that's rich and people don't get it the first time. To bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So, this indicates purpose. The reason that God created all things was so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
It is our purpose. It is our privilege. It is our calling in this generation to demonstrate to all the powers of darkness, to all of those who walk in an anti-Christian or anti-Christ spirit exactly who Jesus is. It is our calling, it is our calling to manifest right now the manifold wisdom of God that, that God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is our day, church. This is the time we were born for. The season that is upon us will give the church of Jesus Christ the opportunity to demonstrate whether we're eagle hearts or chicken hearts. Get your heart right. Is the power of God in you? Is the river of God's abundant grace and the provision of Jehovah Jireh your inheritance? Is it actually in you? Is the image of the Creator in the creation? Can you walk out who He is here on the earth in times of prosperity and in times of adversity? Because the sword of circumstance is shortly to be unsheathed in America. Circumstances are always to be seen as an opportunity for those who believe. Ephesians 3, 8 through 11. Circumstances in the nation we live in, should always be seen as a time when we can demonstrate the love of God to others around us. This is our day, church. We were made for this. We have been filled for this. We have been prepared for this season that is ours. Isn't that great? Before the foundations of the world were laid, Christ Jesus reserved in His eternal sovereignty certain good works that we should walk in them. We need to get up every day and say, Lord, Poppy, what you want to do today? I want you to remember that over the next 18 months. Okay? His kingdom come. His will be done. In earth. In this lump of earth. As it is in heaven. Lord, I have a prayer for this congregation. I pray that each and every person in this congregation would have a revelation from heaven that they are an expression of heaven. You are 
the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. This is a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Let us live our lives believing that we, as the least in God's kingdom, can be a demonstration of the fullness of His kingdom. Is that good? Is that good? You know, there's a quote at the end of uh, Dickens' Tale of Two Cities that is wonderful as well. Uh, And it is, in fact, uh, a testimony of the gospel. You see, this guy uh, loves a woman in the book, Tale of Two Cities, but she don't love him back. And she winds up marrying some other dude. And they have some kids and one thing and another. And by the end of the book, the guy who has lived with unrequited love his whole life is mistaken for the man who married the woman he loves. And he winds up going to the guillotine and dying so that the one he loves can go on living. And the end quote is, as he's standing there preparing to die, and it's a sort of a long quote thinking about the children that are to come and, the, and you know, the heritage that he's leaving is an unseen heritage, but those who count most will know what he's doing that day, that nobody else will notice. And he says, It is a far far better thing that I do than I have ever done. It is a far, far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friend, for his brother. May that be the goal of our hearts. To love without selfishness. To love with abundance. Asking nothing in return except the great pleasure and wonder of giving life wherever we go. To loving others. That's it. Now, uh, simple message. Nothing unusual. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ 101. I, would you guys, can I pick a song? Is that, well, let me see, which one was it? Uh, yeah, that, that was. I see a kingdom rising in me. That one? Yeah. Is that all right? I'm going. Do you believe in impartation? Okay, I believe in the ministry of impartation. Okay, I want to impart something to you. 
And I want God to open it up. Because if you understand what I'm saying, it's one thing. But if God turns on the switch, whoa, baby. We're talking different realm. We're talking revelation divine. That's what I want for you. I want this to be imparted to this congregation. Because I believe, you know, those people who complain about the church don't see her like I see her. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. I can get away saying that to him. Now, but you're beautiful too, Mary. You know I think that. I've known Mary and Marlon a long time. Okay? This bride here, River Life, is gorgeous. Drop dead gorgeous to me. I love being here. I love this church. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Don't ever consider or entertain anyone else's criticisms. You know, one of the worst ways to make friends with me is to criticize my wife and think you're going to make points. (laughs) Better not throw off on Becky. Byron will flog you. He may have said the same thing about her yesterday, but he's not going to let you say it. (laughs) Why do we think we can criticize the church and make Jesus happy? Come on. You brag on the Lord's bride. That's how you make points with Him. Don't be complaining about my bride over here. Don't be complaining about my church. I mean, you might have to throw down somewhere. This is what I want to impart to you. I see a kingdom rising in of a resurrected king. And I cannot keep it from overwhelming our narrow world of unbelief. O love supreme, I can't withhold the song inside my heart and soul. O what joy my blind eyes see You bled, you died, you rose for me. I pray that the Lord will give you spiritual insight to the days ahead. In the days of change that are fast to come upon us, I pray that the Lord will impart to you a prophetic insight and vision that you might perceive the purposes and plans of God for you in this day in which we find ourselves. For you have been called to demonstrate to the powers of darkness in heavenly places the glory and the light of the sons and daughters of God. We are the kingdom of God expressed here on the earth And this is the day in which we have to shine our lights. We're going to let our little lights shine. And we're going to be happy as children about it. Because we are called to be a light in the midst of confusion and darkness so many can find their way to the kingdom of that Savior who died and bled and rose again. Amen.